I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Matthew Appleby, Hort Week editor, and today I'm with Joe Davy of Wharton's Roses. Now, recently, after 35 years at the helm of Wharton's Roses, Managing Director Robert Wharton has uh, moved up to become chairman, and uh, he stepped aside for Paul Wharton to take on the role of Managing Director. Now, Paul joined the business 20 years ago, and he was initially focused on his passion for field production before taking on the broader role of operations director in 2014. But supporting Paul in the new role of sales and marketing director is Joe Davey, who joined the business in 2019 as marketing manager. Now, the Norfolk Nursery celebrated its 75th anniversary in 2022 and produces over 1.5 million roses each year for the retail market. So, welcome, Joe. Thank you. How are you? I'm all right. Now, there's a long history of, of Wharton's there. What, what can you tell me about, about the history? 75, 75 years, 76 now? Yeah, yeah. Well, the business was um, founded back in 1947 by uh, John Wharton, which is uh, Robert's dad, Paul's granddad. And um, the, John started life at Morse Roses, which is a uh, was a you know Norwich based nursery. Uh, so where that's where he found his sort of first passion for roses, and then he um, struck out on his own. He rented a greenhouse and a corner shop actually in Halston, which is um, the town that's just next to where the nursery is now. Um, he had a corner shop and sold fruit and vegetables and grew flowers and tomatoes on the nursery. Um, unfortunately, the Second World War halted production of his, his early rose crops because um, obviously food took priority. But he was allowed to retain enough propagating material to launch what would become Wharton's nurseries when the war ended. Yeah. And um, fast forward 75 years and here we are. Oh, brilliant. Oh. Um, and this rose market's changed a hell of a lot in, in that time. Um, now you're out and about, you know, 
marketing and selling roses to to the retail market. So um, now, what's the rose market like now? Well, I think um, from a from a consumer point of view, there's 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 still um, a great sort of love of roses. They're very uh, popular. They're a popular plant. So from that that point of view, it's very positive. Um, and I think we're very lucky that roses hold a special place in the nation's heart. Um, I think the one big difference from 75 years ago is probably um, there just wasn't as many different types of plants available to the to the sort of gardener. So obviously back then, roses, there, there was a huge amount of roses grown, but probably not a great deal of anything else. So 75 years ago, they probably weren't growing hebes, there wasn't so many lavenders, there wasn't, you know, hardy gerberas. So, um, yeah, I think probably that's the one of the biggest changes is that there's just a bigger range of, of plants available to the gardener these days. So with all that competition, how, how do you promote roses? How do you keep roses in their place in the, in the market? Um, well, I think because there's so much history around them, um, it's it's sort of it's it's sort of straightforward from from one one angle because the garden centres have a nice big uh, retail area down to them which we're very grateful for, um, and I think for us it's all about promoting the best varieties that that are out there. Um, there's there's a lot of books written about roses, and one of the biggest challenges we have is sort of communicating with writers and journalists and bloggers and getting the message out about new roses um because there's also quite you know um a lot of people especially newer gardeners might love roses but they seem they perceive them as being hard work perhaps you know spraying and pest and disease and all that sort of thing but but actually a lot of that is because what uh, what they remember roses used to be when perhaps they used to be big rose beds and not so much mixed planting so if there were any problems, they, they showed up quite quickly. So so for us, it's all about promoting better, newer varieties. No, no, indeed. So you joined in 2019. So I guess it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride since then with uh, external pressures on the market. Yeah, well, I joined in uh, sort of October, November 19. And... Right. Um, yeah, with all sorts of great ideas and getting out and about and sort of seeing customers and, you know, sort of seeing what they wanted. And then COVID hit. So, it, yeah, it was just the most sort of bizarre two years after that, really. Um, we had a, uh, yeah, we went into lockdown and obviously there was a lot of nerves around that where, you know, the phone stopped ringing. We couldn't get in touch with everybody. But then obviously things opened up and, yeah. We just, um, yeah, it went mad. Uh, yeah, the, the demand was phenom- phenomenal. I mean, I've obviously worked in the industry before arriving at Wharton's, and I've I've never I've never seen sort of demand like it. Really, um, obviously not sustainable because we don't really want a, a sort of pandemic to go on for too long. But um, yeah, it's just been a, a real roller coaster. But we we are now back to normal, so. Yeah. How do you see demand for 2023, having spoken to garden centres? What are they expecting? Well, I think um, we're trying to remain we're trying to remain positive. We don't know what impact the economy is going to have, 
but I think the weather will have the biggest impact. So I think if the sun shines, then people will be out and gardening. Um, I think we have hung on to some of the new gardeners that we um, managed to get through COVID. Uh, I think they've, you know, they've stuck around, they're into their garden now, they're spending more time in it. And so, you know, if the economy is tough and they have got a little bit less money in their pocket, then perhaps, you know, they might not go abroad, they might stay, you know, stay at home, spend on the garden. Um, so that's my that's my positive outlook. Um, but yeah, it, it I think it very much depends on the weather because because it always does. If the sun shines, people will want a garden or be in their garden. No, fingers crossed. So you've got, um, what's your history in, in the industry? You've been, uh, had, a, had, a, had a, a couple, two or three roles before Wharton's, as you mentioned. Yeah, well, I, well, I actually, I actually started in the industry um, when, when I left school when I was 16. I worked for the parks department uh, for four years and then, then went to college. And that was when I got into garden centres. I did a um, management trainee scheme with Knotcuts back in the day. Um, so, yeah, and then carried on with garden centres. I've worked for, yeah, Bransford, Knotcuts, John Woods, which is uh, around no more. Um, I actually worked for Morley's and Wharton's. Um, and so, I've, so, although I joined in 2019, I was here sort of 15 years before that as well. So, yeah, I've always been in the industry. Oh, well, so you've come, you've come back to Morley's and Wharton's after a, a time away. Is it as much changed? On one level, no, but on another level, um, yeah, a lot more uh, mechanisation, particularly in field production. Um, uh, the, the sort of our selling process is a little bit different now. So, uh, yeah, involving a lot more sort of sort of business intelligence and, um, yeah, IT. So, uh, but, the, you know, the, the fundamental product uh has has well has evolved because obviously we're always looking for new, better, better varieties. Talking of new and better varieties, what what is new that's out and about? Well, coming up for this year, we've got um uh, a new range of um repeat flowering rambling roses, um compact varieties. So rambling roses are you know are seem to be increasing in popularity because they've got quite a relaxed look quite cottage gardeny and so i think you know pe- people love the look of them but they only flower once and they're usually absolute monsters and you know really rampant um but we're working with the breed of cordis and they've introduced this range called silhouetta so really compact we'll only get to about six nine foot um, and repeat flower so you can get that nice, you know, sort of, uh, yeah, rambling rose cottage gardeny look, um, but it ain't going to take over your garden. So that's a, a new introduction. We've got a range of colours of those. We've got the the rose of the year. We always support that. Uh, that's a variety called Peach Melba for this year. So which again, which is a climber, lovely sort of peach coloured climber. Um, uh, we've got Hopes and Dreams, which is a lovely uh, lilac coloured HT and really, really fragrant. So that's going to be popular, I think. So what do you see as this, the trends in, in, in roses in terms of style? Like what, what are people looking for? Um, well, it's, 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 still a, it's still a real uh, sort of mix. I mean, people are always wanting that sort of traditional classic HT. Um, 
they're they're obviously always looking for um, health. Uh, repeat flowering, that's another important sort of characteristic. Um, people are expecting, you know, a show of colour sort of right right through right through the year. We try to follow the colour trends, but that's that can be so so difficult. We we plan our production about four years in advance. So um you know, sort of really following, you know, colour trends can be a bit difficult. But uh, I mean, peachy, sort of lavendery type colours are always really popular, probably more so than the real hot colours at the moment. So, um, of course, the other trend, um, which is pretty consistent, actually, is gift roses as well. There's always a market for that. You mean in terms of named roses? Um Named roses, so your golden wedding, silver, you know, that, that sort of thing, that they're always popular. And then um, sort of broadening it out a little bit. I think roses make, you know, good gifts. So that's the other thing we're sort of looking to try and promote is that roses make a nice gift. You don't, you know, um, you don't have to sort of have a specific uh, ruby gold or silver in the name for them to make a nice gift. One of the challenges that we do have with the gift roses is the the sort of the the classic names like Rose Ruby Wedding is obviously tied to a variety that just is is a poor variety these days. It just does not perform well in a pot, you know, in a garden centre environment. It's lost its vigour and it's, you know. So you're then left with the challenge of of trying to find, you know, find the rose, but then kind of get a name that 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 works when people just want ruby wedding really so so that's a, a constant challenge is trying to kind of come up with a name that just has a very straightforward sentiment oh, i see um talked to someone the other day you know, in northern ireland who was saying you know how hard it was to get roses and they said they'd been to visit wharton's and picked up a thousand bare root roses and stuck them in their van and driven back to northern ireland but that looks like it's all relaxing. So do you get involved much in sending roses, you know, to Northern Ireland or Republic of Ireland or o- overseas? We do a contract for a German grower um, and we d- we did continue to send roses to Northern and Southern Ireland, you know, for the last sort of, um, well, since Brexit, we have continued to send bare root roses over there. Um, there was obviously paperwork associated with it and, the first year was a bit nightmarish, but um, yeah, we sort of kind of got used to it. But obviously, the news this morning that things are going to be uh, more relaxed is is very heartening because we we couldn't um, send product into garden centres. We couldn't we couldn't do container roses because we just couldn't get the um, the the haulage uh, sorted for it. Whereas bare root is is more straightforward, so we did. We did actually. We have continued to to supply Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland. So that's good news. It'll give a bit of a boost to the business. What about availability of roses? We talked about in lockdown. You know, became a bit in short supply. What's supply like now? Well, because I, th- I think in lockdown they they did there was short supply. I think probably because um, there was availability issues with with plants generally. And because of the production cycle of roses, they they were there and, you know, sort of were there at the right place at the right time. So people were grabbing roses because they perhaps couldn't get hold of, you know, herbaceous or, you know, shrubs. So I think part of the demand was, yeah, roses are popular and people bought the roses they would normally do, but they also bought them 
in lieu of being able to get, you know, their normal A to Z shrubby range. They had to have something. And so, um, yeah, and I think as well, when people had limited time in a garden centre, they just wanted to to grab something that they knew what it was and, and Rosa's tick that box as well. Um, I mean, our availability is is reasonable at the moment. We had very strong forward orders, so we're really thankful to our customers for that. Um, but I think, you know, we did have roses left at the end of last year available. So, yeah, I think that whole situation has, has settled down. I mean, we'll always have, um, there's always going to be certain varieties that, that sell out. But, you know, that's just the normal way of um, plant production, really. No, no, indeed. So we're talking about availability. Availability of labour has been quite an issue in recent years. Have you managed to get enough workers to to you know, to work on, on, on the rose production for the moment? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a challenge. We, we, we are lucky in that we've got a number of staff that have been here between like 25 and 40 years. So, you know, we've got a very, we've got a stable base, but we are working now hard at bringing in sort of younger people in, into the business um, because, you know, we, we need to for continuity. So that is um, a focus of ours at the moment. Um, it isn't particularly easy, but I think you've just got to you've just got to sort of work at it really. Um, it's quite a challenge for us because um, we're a little bit. I won't say we're exactly out in the sticks, but you know you need a car to get here. Um, so or you know or some some form of motorised transport. So so sometimes that can be a sort of challenge for younger people. But it's you know we. Yeah, it's something we're conscious of. Um, we have been able to get hold of, um, you know, budders, which is quite a skilled job. And um, that has been slightly, slightly more difficult. But we've got an in-house training programme. So, we're, you know, we're bringing, bringing people on. So, um, but no, it's not, it's not particularly easy. What about inflation? You know, it's massive news all the time at the moment. So how are you how are you dealing with uh, with cost prices? Are you managing to uh, get your prices to rise? Yeah, I mean we 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 we're as fair as we possibly can be, and we work hard on all our costings. Um, I think we buy quite wisely, um, but yeah, there's there's you know the production costs are the production costs. I think there's there's the ones that we the, we can't control um, through efficiencies like you know transport for example um, is a big cost and roses are quite you know they're bulky um, don't get many on a trolley so that that that's that's a, a big challenge and obviously uh, wage increases as well that's another thing that we can't necessarily uh, control. Um, but yeah, hopefully we, you know, we have the same uh, inflation on our inputs as all, all nurseries do, really. So um, yeah, challenging. And is that is is that something you can pass on, or do, or do you feel that there's a resistance from retailers? I suppose it swings and roundabouts. Um, but I think that we offer a good value product, and I think that can be seen in comparison uh, with our product to others. So I think our, our customers appreciate that, you know, we are doing the best to keep our costs under control and we grow a good product for a fair price. A good product for a fair price. I like I like it. Like Now, another big issue, a perennial issue is sustainability and uh, 
uh, I guess you've got lots of things going on in that area in terms of, you know, peak free and all that type of thing. What's what's happening there? Yeah, well, we've just got um, permission for uh, a new reservoir, which we're quite excited about, um, which will capture winter um, winter water runoff from the sort of fields around here. Because obviously, um, we we do a lot of field production. Um, so we obviously we we already capture water from our container sites. Um, so the the new reservoir is going to help with our field production. East Anglia is particularly dry, um, and we had to um, irrigate the crops this summer, which is quite unusual. And also the rootstocks, when they're first planted, benefit from irrigation as well. And water is um, you know increasingly important. So that's that's one thing where we're doing to help with our sustainability we've got um um pv panels on just about every possible roof space um tractor sheds cold stores um you know a packing shed um we've got a, a wind turbine as well which helps things so and and obviously like every nursery in the land we're um on our our journey to peat free so uh, which is probably yeah the biggest uh, focus at the moment. How far are you on that journey? How far are you down the road? Well, we're 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 still in the trialing phase, um, but we've got some fairly meaty production trials this year on our our patio roses. I think one of the challenges because because we grow one genus, if you like, we are just growing roses. Um, we we it it we only have sort of. Uh, a limited number of compost mixes. So when we met that move, we have to met that that a big move. And you know, going back to uh, keeping our costs under control, um, you know, it, it's difficult to us. You know, it's difficult for us to offer like fifty percent of the range in peat free, fifty percent not peat free, because it's additional cost. You know, on both products then. Because you know peat free compost is more expensive, but then your purchasing power on your non peat free compost is reduced, so we are you know we're keen to make that move, but when we make that move, we know we've kind of just gotta go for it, yeah, no looking back <laughs> yeah and yeah. yeah, so it's perhaps if we if we you know if we were a perennial nursery, we could say something like, "Oh well, all our dianthus are in peat free because we know they particularly work, but um yeah. Our roses are, you know, they're, they're sort of one gener- genus, really. So it's, it's, it's perhaps a little bit different. So, Joe, now we'll just come on to our last question. And it's the one we ask in every Hawk Week podcast. Um, and it's about your favourite plant, your desert island plant. So what is your favourite plant? What would you take to a desert island? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you... Are you going to say the rose? I am going to say a rose, <laughs> yes. All <laughs> oh, right. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and what, which one and why? I was going to say, but can I be more specific? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it is actually a rose called Queen Bee, um, which is um, it's a lovely little floribunda. It's a lovely sort of amber apricot-y colour and it just flowers and flowers. And in the garden, it sort of presents itself like the perfect little bouquet, really. It's a lovely little thing. So Rose Queen Bee would be would be my desert island rose 
Brilliant. What a great choice. Well, thanks very much to Joe Davy from Wharton's Roses. I'm Hawk Week editor Matthew Appleby, and this has been the Hawk Week podcast. Make sure you never miss one. Subscribe to or follow Hawk Week podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or your preferred podcast platform. So once again, thanks to Joe Davy from Wharton's Roses, and goodbye till next time. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.